Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. We are starting a series today. Actually, we are starting a series, but I really feel we could have added this one on to the last one we did on faith. We did three weeks of faith, and, and you'll see why in just a moment. Now, let me give you a little backstory where I feel like this series came from. I, I know it's a holiday season time, and you always want to talk about joy or, or peace or hope or things like that, for sure, and you need to during this time. Really, what this stems in my heart from, all the way back to August, I really had this sense of um, really digging into joy. I've been reading, I've been listening, I've been studying uh, all the things about joy. And, and, and not because I lacked joy. There's those moments in life, right, that you have that, that are great moments and moments that are not so great moments. And I realized and have known that, that your joy is not associated with any moment. Amen? It's found in something deeper and our source is God and Jesus. And so really just felt as we were heading into the season that it was time for us to dig into really the source of joy. It would be my Serious title would be joy, that today would be the uh, who's your source, where's your source, something like that. Um, I wanted to share some things with you that really have impacted me, and, and partly because really why it's a big deal for me is I shared this in August when we did our anniversary service, and I, and I made this comment, I said, I'm having more fun or enjoying now more doing what I'm, what I'm doing as pastoring than I ever have, and, and really that's an interesting statement because... Some days are fun and some days just really aren't fun at all. Can I just be honest with you? And, and, uh, and so mostly that's me understanding where all that comes from, where that joy, where that peace comes from. And so um, this is kind of comes out of all of that. So let me launch it by starting in chapter uh, 16 in Psalms. This is actually one of my life verses. I have a few verses that I really hold dear to my heart. I have a keychain uh, on this one someone gave me years ago because it is my life verse. And so Psalm 1611 says this to God, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In God's presence is fullness of joy. In other words, fullness of joy is found in the presence of God, not in the presence of Anything that's happening in your life, our joy is not related to circumstance or situation. It goes beyond that. It goes something deeper, meaning you can have joy in the midst of difficult times. And so in his presence is fullness of joy, as if also to say that there is a level of joy that you can obtain. And sometimes we settle for just a little bit. We settle for just some here, some there. And God has so much bigger plans for that for you and I. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Notice he says this, in your presence is the fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures evermore. That tells me, reminds me, and we say this all the time, that joy and pleasure or happiness are two different things. They're two different things. The problem is, a lot of times we associate joy with happiness and pleasure, which is so fleeting and so based on circumstances. But the Bible says that there's a deeper work there. There's something more, regardless of what's happening around you or to you, that you can still find joy and you can find joy in its fullness. And so that's kind of where I want to go today, really kind of laying a foundation for you this morning. And I want you to understand that we're going to go the next few weeks, but I want you to get this today. I want to set you up today for where we're going the next few weeks. So we're going to look in the book of James, James 1. You can go ahead and turn there. There's a connection, as we saw in Psalm 16, between joy in its fullness and the presence of the Lord. And also we saw understanding that joy and pleasure or happiness are two different things. So James is going to tell us about choices we make when things happen, because here's what we need to know. He's going to teach us how to develop joy, because joy is developed. 
Joy isn't random. Joy isn't something that just happens. Joy isn't because a moment changes in our favor. We've received something we've wanted. That doesn't mean that joy has come. There's a moment of happiness or pleasure per se. Also, what James is gonna show us is not only is joy developed, joy is not something that's discovered. And I think we learn, or we live our life in a way thinking that joy is something that we find. It's almost as if to say that if joy is something that you discover, you're not experiencing it right now in what you're doing or what's happening to you or where you are. Like joy has to be found in another moment. You have to go over here to this experience to have joy. You have to go into this marriage to have joy. You have to go into this job to have joy. You have to, circumstances have to fall in place to have joy. And the Bible doesn't say that at all. In fact, James is telling us joy is something that developed, that transcends all our circumstances, all the things that are happening to us in life. And we have been trained though to find joy in the moment, to find it in what we're doing and what's happening around about us. And sometimes it may work out in our favor and sometimes it might not. So James has a a really great insight for you and I. So let's go ahead and start reading in in verse two. Here's what it says, James one, two. Now listen to the wording here. Consider it pure joy. I love it. New King James, another. King James perhaps says, uh, count it all joy. I love the NIV. Consider it pure joy. Maybe even talking about the quality of joy. Going back to Psalm 16, fullness of. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, consider it pure joy whenever you face. That's not where I'm looking for my joy. Can I tell you? I'm not going to look there for my joy. I would not even consider looking and testing trials for my joy. I'm looking for the good things, the fun things, the happy things in life. I'm not looking there. But James says, seriously, our life is full of trials. In fact, our life is full of many trials. And I love how he says many trials because another translation that would say diversity of trials or diverse trials. And and, and James is going to tell us that, hey, basically, again, that we're all going through stuff. Now, we're not going through the same thing, but we're all going through something. We're all going through tests and trials. And the wording here is such that it says that there are many things that you're going to face and experience in life. In fact, let me say it this way. There are unlimited trials. It's like there are unlimited drink combinations at Sonic, right? You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever picked out paint colors? Have you stood in front of that huge thing and looking at how can there be so many shades of colors? And, and James is telling us, again, reemphasizing, it doesn't matter what trial you're going through. The trial is not the issue. It's how you consider or how you approach the trial because there's going to be trials in your life. And so we face a life full of trials. And so there are trials associated... There are, there are trials associated with having money. There are trials associated with not having money. Right? And I'm just like, can I try those trials of the having money kind? I'd like to just try those a little bit. Would that be okay to try that one? There are trials associated with being married, and there are trials associated with being single. You have loneliness, there's single people trials. You have married or relationship or companionship trials uh, into which uh, the, 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 the single people might say, can I try the, the married trials? I'd like to give that a try right now. And let me just say, it's for married people. Don't even say I'd like to try the single trials, right? Because that's a, that's a whole nother message right there. We're gonna have to pray for you on that one. But there's just trials, many kind of trials. And some of us are, uh, you know, we'd like to try the, the other trial. But what James is saying is you can never associate joy with what's going on around about you. You can't. There's so many things, such diversity of things that you're experiencing. You cannot associate your joy with what's happening around about you. Rich or poor, married or single, young or old, black or white, uh, 
you know, American, or I'm thinking about the word Mexican or Indian, wherever we go, everyone experiences trials. So joy is not a product of what you have or what you don't have. Uh, it's what you've done, what you haven't done, uh, status, uh, how people perceive you, what, they, what they're saying about you, what they're doing to you. There's different kinds of trials. And the language here, again, is such that James is saying that he's talking about any kind of trials. And it also basically talks about Trials that maybe you didn't do anything, they just seem to happen to you. Uh, trials that maybe you've made a bad decision with the right heart, things are happening to you. Uh, trials because we live in a fallen, imperfect world. Um, trials, you name it. So James is covering everything, many kinds of trials. But let me bring a point of clarification right here. When you read this passage of scripture, we'll just take a few verses out of it, uh, starting in verse two, it talks about trials and temptations. And so I think it's important for us to understand that we're not talking about temptations, we're talking about trials, but we tend in our humanity to lump temptations and trials together because we're facing something. And what James is going to tell us is that's not appropriate. You handle a temptation different than you handle a trial. And that's important because when you handle a temptation, the Bible has a lot to say about dealing with temptation. It says to resist or to run from. But when you face a trial, the Bible says you don't run from a trial, you run to and you run through a trial. Because God will take you through the middle of that thing. In fact, he'll use that trial in your life as we, as we will learn to grow your faith, to help you grow in something. So you need to know that you're experiencing some things in life and some of them are trials and we all have them and some of them are temptations and you need to know the difference because one you embrace or accept or, or you run to and one you run from. You don't want to embrace your temptations, right? So, you know, so we need to know that. So let's keep reading the scripture. Uh, I'm going to start with verse two again, then we'll go on down. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, isn't it interesting? This is why I say I could have added this onto the series of faith, but maybe, maybe, maybe the joy you experience as a result of your faith. Just something to think about. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, that you keep going, you don't quit, you're focused, verse four says, so that perseverance, focus, keep going, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, we're not running from trials. We're running from temptation. We need to embrace trials. But in the midst of that, if you have the right focus, the right perspective, you can find joy in any and every trial, not based on what's happening around about you. Amen? Okay, so James is really helping us, telling us how to develop our joy, and especially this season. Because here's the thing people think, it's the Christmas season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Enjoy peace, love, and happiness. It's not always that way. The season does not determine joy. And let's just be quite honest. This season is not very joyful for a lot of people based on circumstances around about them. But what James is saying is in the midst of any season, any trial, any time, there's a way for us to develop joy. And so it goes on to say this. We need to learn the difference between what a trial is, what a temptation is. So how do we make a distinction between what we're facing. He goes, we need some wisdom then. So look at verse five right here. We just read two through four. So look at verse five. Here's what it says. If any of you lacks wisdom, wisdom for what? Wisdom for what? 
Wisdom to how to identify a trial or how to approach your trial, to make a distinction between a a trial or temptation or how to focus on what you need to focus on in the midst of your trial. See, because we'll put James 1, 5 on our refrigerator and we tell people all the time, you're not gonna make a decision. Well, here's what you need to do. The Bible says when you lack wisdom, ask and it will be given liberally or generously to you. Without Without all finding fault, it will be given to you. We don't associate that with helping to distinguish or make a distinction in the trial that you're facing. But you have to put that with that. And so what James is saying is, you don't need to ask God for more joy I'm just facing something right now. I need to, what am I going to, right in the middle of this? I need, God, bring me some more joy. You need to ask God for more wisdom. See, we're not out there asking for joy. We are, but that's not how it works, James. That's not how it works. That's not how you develop it. You ask for more wisdom so you can distinguish or draw a distinction between a trial and a temptation. So now you know that you go through a trial and you'll know how to walk through it in just a minute instead of avoiding it or running from it. He says in the midst of the trials, those are your greatest opportunities for your greatest joy. But you need to know that. You need to get some wisdom for it. So we deal with them differently and we understand that, that, there's a, that, that scripture says we need wisdom for those things. And I'm gonna be honest with you because I'm facing different trials now than I was before. There was a time that, that I, there were things I was walking through at 20 that I'm not walking through now. There's things I was walking through at 30, things I was walking through at 40. Can I tell you, 50 has its own trials in and of itself. That was a great place to not make me feel like I'm the only one 50 or older right there, people. Just kind of left me hanging right out there. 50 and older, there's some trials associated with that, is there not, right? There, there's some things that I, I face in trial because I have adult children. That's, a, that's an oxymoron. How can I be adult and children at the same time? Now, all the parents of kids that are over 18 really should have gave me a big old A. First service gave me an amen on that one. Come on, everybody. There's trials just because you have adult children. There's trials, I, there's trials I walk through because I'm a pastor. There's trials you walk through because of what you do. There's trials that you walk through because of your situation. Listen, can I tell you that the older I get, I'm not so much more worried as much anymore, concerned as much anymore about how much I make, or I'm not so much worried about accomplishments or accolades or, or any kind of thing, recognition for anything. Can I tell you, looking back to August and to now, you know what I'm more looking at now at this age of my life? I'm looking at, I just want to enjoy it more. Come on, somebody. I'm not looking at just an accomplishment or just an accolade or just an achievement or just a goal there. I'm looking at, I just want to enjoy it a little bit more. And so James is saying that we can develop joy in every, and any. there's situations in my life that I'm, I, I'm walking in now that at 20 would have been nothing to me. Does that make sense? I just would have been, ah, I, no problem. And I, I'll just work harder. I'll just do more. Can I t- I don't want to work harder. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just, sorry, Lord. I'm, I'm happy to do whatever you want me to do, God. Uh, so what James is saying is, and here's my point, and I'm, I know I'm belaboring this, but James is saying, we can develop joy no matter what's going on in our life. So we don't ask God for more joy. We, we ask him for wisdom because as we're facing a trial, we need to know that we need to take that head on. We don't run from those things or back down from those things. And we will find joy in that. And let me, let's tell you how, 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 how we, we do that in just a moment. And so, again, I, I like this passage of Scripture because it's, it talks about pure joy, as if to say there's a different kind of joy or quality of joy you and I can walk in. Um, and then uh, there's a picture in Hebrews 12. You can turn to Hebrews 12 for me. And I'll tell you where to read in just a moment. So, so I'm thinking about all this and I'm looking at all this and, and what does that look like then? What, what is the key to all this? I mean, I hear what James is saying right there, count it all joy or, or, or pure joy 
when facing a trial, it's going to help grow my faith if I'll persevere. Uh, I need a little bit more wisdom maybe on how, how I walk this out and how I identify it. But in Hebrews 12, there's a great picture and it really helps see a distinction between joy and pleasure because a lot of times, isn't that where the real struggle is? We'll misidentify a feeling or an emotion and call it joy, but really it's pleasure or happiness and And we're trained to do that. In fact, there's so much pressure in the world we live today that looks for pleasure or happiness. And let me just say this, pleasure may be associated with joy, but joy is not dependent upon pleasure. Let me say that again. Pleasure may be associated with joy, but joy is not dependent upon pleasure. And it seems seems sometimes that we see our joy, our joy seems to be controlled by circumstances or situations. And Jesus is going to show us here in Hebrew, as the Hebrews writer is presenting, he's going to show us that our joy can, be, can happen despite what our circumstances are, despite what's happening around about us. And honestly, it seems like there's more and more pressure, more pressure than ever to look like, act like we're happy all the time. I mean, isn't everything seemingly today directed towards your happiness? I mean, there's more pressure to be happy now than there ever was. There's more. Isn't that why we take selfies? Isn't that why, right? Isn't that why we, we uh, uh, spend so much time on our phone? And, and well, so there's so much more pressure to post something that people like. There's so much more pressure to like something people have posted. There's so much more pressure to, to comment on some, and it's not negative. People don't do it for negative comments. They do it for positive comments, don't they? There's so much more pressure today. Everything you see being sold right now is to make you happy. They'll, they'll try and sell you stuff, pressure to, to, to buy this to be happy, drink this to be happy, smoke this to be happy, dress this way to be happy. Can I tell you, all the pressure for pleasure is making us more miserable, not more happy. It truly is, because we don't associate it correctly. And what James is saying, we don't understand where joy comes from, but the world is saying, here's what it looks like. And so if we don't understand the difference here, we're going to have the ups and downs of life and find ourselves struggling to find joy. Oh, we may be happy for a moment. But maybe the increasing pressure to feel pleasure is why we feel so miserable. And so now here's the outcome. Now we're raising generations that think joy is associated with a feeling in your flesh. And that's that's where we're at. We think in the world we live in today because of the pressure for pleasure and happiness, we feel and we're raising kids that feel like joy is associated with a feeling in your flesh. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't start with a feeling. And so Jesus is up on a cross in Hebrews 12 too. The writer is telling us Jesus is up on a cross and we know he has been mocked. He's been humiliated. He's been made fun of. He's been beaten. He's been spit on. He's experiencing horrible things. And yet look at the writers of Hebrews say in Hebrews 12 too. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, the author and finisher of faith, another translation will say, Unless this next sentence, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God on the throne. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What have you set before you? Because obviously there's something else set before him than just the cross, because the cross in and of itself didn't have any joy associated with it. It wasn't the event that brought the joy, it's what he set his eyes on beyond the event that brought the joy to him. 
in, in the situation that would have been one of the most horrible anybody could experience, it is amazing to me that Jesus somehow is able, and the writers of Hebrew captured it, to find joy, not for the event that he was experiencing, but for what he was focused on beyond the event. What have you set your eyes on before you? Because understand this, that is what your joy is connected to. Your joy is connected to what you have set your eyes on before you. What have you set before you? See, joy is a way of looking at things. Joy is a point of view. So that helps me from feeling the need to feel a certain way to experience joy. See, we think joy is the absence of sadness. We think joy is the presence of the spectacular or the warm, fuzzy feelings. But in Hebrews it says, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him in order to endure the cross, scorning its shame. He did not find joy in the event. He found joy in the expected outcome of the event. He didn't find joy in the feeling of hanging on the cross. He didn't find joy in the pain of the cross. He found joy in the purpose of the cross. If you can set before you purpose, you can endure the pain. Going back to James, there's purpose that you can set your focus on in the trial. God didn't bring that trial on you, but he's not going to take you around it or run from it. He wants you to face it. He doesn't want you to focus on the trial. He wants you to focus on a higher purpose or a result or an expected outcome. And if you focus on an expected outcome, then you can endure the pain of the event. Joy is a result of focus, not feelings. But we're raising up a whole generation to think that joy is a result of feelings. And so we're pursuing and chasing after feelings instead of chasing after joy, which is a focus, not a feeling. Because our focus can be beyond the event, what was set before him. I, I, it's, the, the purpose, I, you know, for me, it's like, and I, I was thinking about this, trying to find a good illustration. And there's moments, and I can't remember a specific one. And maybe you'll identify with this. There's moments that all of a sudden that I'm asked to do something or we need to do something or my wife says we need to do something or something just happens. And it's like in the moment, it's physical or, or something. And I just didn't want to do it. I don't want to do it today. I don't want to, I just want to rest or relax. And all of a sudden I'm doing this physical activity or physical labor or something like that. And I'll gripe and complain and complain and gripe about it all the time, the whole time I'm doing it. But then there's times when I know something needs to be done for the sake of the outcome, then I'll take that same physical energy or activity and I will gladly engage in it because of the outcome, the expected outcome. And here's the difference. One took me by surprise and the other did not. It seems like I had more focus on what I had a purpose for to endure the pain than I did when I was surprised with something. But understand something very clearly. Jesus set his eyes on something other than the event. So the pain of the cross was not a surprise to Jesus. The beatings of crucifixion was not a surprise to Jesus. The mocking, the spitting, the torture, the whipping, the crown, that was not a surprise to Jesus. Jesus knew what lay before him. He knew that. In fact, it was prophesied back in the Old Testament. Jesus, the blood he, he, that poured down his face was not a surprise to Jesus, but he was able to look beyond the event to endure the pain for the sake of the expected outcome. Therefore, his joy came from the expected outcome, not from the event for you and I. Joy is a focus, not a feeling. It's a focus, not a feeling. We need to learn that. He had set before him purpose and expected outcome, the other side of the trial. 
Joy is a focus before it's a feeling. And so while we're chasing a feeling called joy, God has given us the ability to choose, not our feelings. Have you ever tried that? Good luck with that, right? I'm just facing this trial. I'm just going to choose joy in the middle of it. Well, how long does that last you? Right? Until it was harder than you thought? Until things didn't work out so well? Come on, choosing feelings, really? Are we really capable of choosing feelings? But you know what we can choose? We can choose our focus. We can choose our focus. You know, feelings are so fleeting and and based on emotion and and based on circumstances change, feelings change, your emotions change. But you know what doesn't change? It doesn't have to change, your focus doesn't have to change. In the midst of circumstances and trials and difficult things, your focus can still be on the expected outcome. You have the ability to set your focus on something, to choose your focus. We do not have the ability to choose our feelings. So have you ever tried to choose your feelings? That just doesn't work out. And James says, count it all joy. James is like, stay focused. Choose your focus. What is it that brings joy if I focus on it? Well, let me see it this way. I, uh, I, I know what it doesn't. I know that being focused on everybody else doesn't bring me joy necessarily. I know that being focused on my past doesn't necessarily, being too far out and looking ahead to my future doesn't. I know that Jesus said what's set before me, focusing on what's right in front of you, he was able to endure. I I think sometimes we, we get too busy looking over here and over there and behind us. We miss what's right there. We miss the moment. And that's what James says, in every trial, in every moment, stay focused for the joy set before him. I can't be looking all around and expect to have joy. I can't judge my situation based on other people and expect there to be joy. Joy is the decision of what I'm going to focus on. Look at Psalm 1611 again. You will show me the path of life. My life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand is pleasure evermore. In your presence is fullness of joy. The gift of joy is found in presence. That doesn't mean the gift of joy is found in church. <laughs> you know that. Because there's been times you've come in here joyful and times you left with no joy, right? I mean, I have. <laughs> I mean, there's times like, so, someone's sitting in my seat. Someone parked in my spot. They didn't sing my favorite song today. I didn't really like his, he had a tent last week. Where's the tent? Or something better, right? God's presence is not relegated to a building. Why would he limit his presence to a building? Don't think you come to church to have joy. And his presence is, is here because you brought him. So that, his presence is everywhere. Can we just say it that way? His presence is in you wherever you go. In his presence is fullness of joy. Listen, God doesn't limit his presence to a building. That means joy comes in my life when I focus on what God is doing in this moment. I can't focus on his presence and what he's doing in my life if I've consumed with what he's doing in somebody else's life. See, lack of joy is not a possession, it is a position. And Jesus set before him. Not a question, it wasn't a question of God's presence. In his presence. It's really not about God's presence. I'll explain it in a second. His presence is everywhere. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He's with you. It's not a question of God's presence. It's a question of your presence. It's not as he be present with you. It's are you present with him? You can be here and miss him. We had amazing worship time. Some of you did not get in the presence of God, but he was here for you. 
you know what it's like? I don't know what it was like around Thanksgiving for you or just any other time, but I know a struggle today. You can be out to eat or you can be at Thanksgiving. Everybody can be on your phone. You can be together, but you're not present. So if you came to church just to get some joy, it won't happen unless you're present with him. Unless you engage him in his presence. When you're present with him, that's when we're able to find joy. See, because when, you, when you're present with him and you're focused on him, that's your focus. Your focus is not on your circumstance, not on your feelings, not on the things that are changing around about you. Your focus is on God and that's what's important. That's why being present with him is so important. It helps you with your focus. It helps you keep your focus where, where it needs to be. It's a, are you present? Are you present in this moment? Are you present in the trial? Are you present in the worship service today? You can be somewhere and not be present. You can miss joy because you're looking around. You can miss joy because you're looking behind. You can miss joy because you're looking too far ahead. In order to find fullness of joy in his presence, I have to bring my presence to him. Psalm 16, five. You can go there. We'll read it in just a second. Okay, my focus, my presence, my perseverance is keeping my focus. Having said that, you can't choose joy You can only choose your focus. Let me take it a step further because here's how it works. By choosing your focus, you're choosing your priorities. And your joy is connected to your priorities. And it is. Your joy is connected. Let me say it this way. Your priorities are controlling your joy. What you choose as your priorities or as your priorities, will ultimately control your joy. Take a look at Psalm 16.5. Let me read it for you. Here's, here's what the psalmist says. Lord, you alone are my portion. You alone are my priority. You alone are my focus. You alone are what's most important to my life. You alone are my cup. You alone are the main thing in my life. The Lord is my chosen portion. I chose him to be my priority. You can't choose your feelings. You can choose your focus. Therefore, you can choose your priorities and your priorities will control your joy. I choose you as my priority. I have decided to make God the most important thing in my life. I have looked at everything else this world has to offer me to enjoy. And I can enjoy, I can enjoy things that are not necessarily spiritual. I can, but I don't need them to survive. I will not attach my joy to something that's temporary in nature. I can enjoy it, but my joy is not in it. I can enjoy it, but my joy is not in it. What's the source of your joy? Let me say this. I want you to get this this morning. Because where it comes from, talking about the source of your joy, because where it comes from determines when it runs out. Because where it comes from determines when it runs out. What's the source of your joy? The Lord is my chosen portion. What are my priorities? See, John 15, 5, here's what Jesus says. John 15, 5. Jesus says, I'm the vine. I'm the source. I'm your portion. You are the branches. You are an extension of that. If you remain in me and I in you, you will be joyful. You will bear much fruit. 
I'm your source, if you remain in me, if I'm your priority, you will have joy. And as far as I know, he never runs out. He's a source that never runs dry. He's a source that never changes. He's a source of more than enough. So Jesus says, if I'm your source, you will never run out. If I'm your chosen portion, you will never run out because whatever the source of your joy is determines when it runs out. And Jesus says, I don't run out of anything. So apart from me, you can do nothing. And then look what he says. To tie this together, look what he says six verses later. Same passage of scripture. He says this in verse 11. I've told you this so that my joy from the source may be in you. So you might be connected to the source of joy. So his joy is not based on a circumstance. His joy is not based on changing situations. His joy never changes. He's the source. And that your joy may be complete. Your joy, Psalm 16, may be experienced in the fullness. Your joy may be pure, James 2, 1, 2. What's the source? Where's your focus? What's your priorities? Because your priorities ultimately will determine your joy. It will control it. John 15, 11, don't settle for partial joy. Don't settle for incomplete joy. Don't settle for half full. Don't settle for impure. Jesus said he wants his joy to be in you. It's a decision you make. Right focus. Right priorities. See, when we give the wrong things priority in our life, then those priorities control my joy. What if my priority is recognition? Then recognition controls my joy. When people recognize me, I'll feel happy. If recognition is my priority. Uh, What about my relationships? If my relationships are my priority, I'm not talking about my relationship with God, then my relationships control my joy. As long as my relationships are going good, I'll have joy and happiness. If they're not, I won't. Well, what if, what if my priority is, is money? If money is my, is my priority, there's times that money will, will make me happy. It's the source of my joy. But what about when the money's not there? What about when things change all of a sudden? What about when something happens? If money is my priority, then money controls my joy. Uh, what about status? Achievement. Do you get the picture here? So if your your priority is something other than God, then it's fleeting and limited and changes all the time. But if it's God, the vine, the never-ending supply, if he's your chosen portion, if your focus is not on the event, but on the expected outcome because of your chosen portion, because the vine, then the Bible says, then you've tapped into a source of joy that is not determined or dependent whatever happens round about you. In fact, in the midst of the most difficult circumstances, you can still have joy because he's your source. So we need to tell the things that have been controlling our joy, you're not my source. You're not my vine. You're not my priority. You are not my focus any longer. You don't have to live that way. So we need to set joy before us. I'm resetting my priorities. If my joy is running out, it's because it's coming from the wrong place. Where it comes from determines when it runs out. I wonder where your joy is today. I wonder. This was a big one for me, as I said, going back to August, just season of life. For me, time of life. See, I... 
I, I really love my family. I, I really love my church. I, I love what I get to do. But sometimes, just to be quite honest, I've been guilty of enduring something that God gave me to enjoy because I've allowed my focus and my priorities to shift or change. I mean, I'm just as human as you are. But that's the truth of it. But every time that happens, it has been because of my priorities. And I realize I'm not just going for the quick fix any longer. So I say, I'm 50, I don't want the quick fix any longer. The times, those moments, a quick hit, right? The thing that'll make you happy for a moment, but will leave shortly thereafter. But, when it, but where it comes from determines when it runs out. And I, I want a lasting joy. I, I can't afford to let my emotions control my joy. We can't allow our joy to be controlled by something other than the priority of God's presence in our life. So and I'm looking at this through different lens now because I have different trials than you do because 52 and adult kids and pastoring what I do. And I'm like, I want joy in my life. I don't care about some of the other things. And so my priority, my focus has got to stay with my source. And I don't know what that looks like for you. Oh, we're definitely not all going through the same thing, but we're all going through something. And so we need to understand where that joy comes from. So don't allow your joy to be connected to things that can't sustain you. And don't ask God for more joy. Ask God for more wisdom. James 1.5, that when things come into your life, you can count it joy. Ask God to teach you to set joy before you like Jesus did. And I didn't put this in your notes, but Psalm 16.8 says, I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. Amen, because he is a good and faithful God and he is my source. He is my chosen portion. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.